0: Good morning everyone, it's great to have you here this morning. During this Advent season we've been looking at Isaiah's prophecy in chapter 9 where the prophet tells us, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us and the government will rest on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father and Prince of Peace. Now, again, this prophecy was given 700 years prior to the birth of Christ. And it was originally given to the people of Israel who sat in gloom and in anguish because of an impeding invasion that was coming from the brutal Assyrian Empire. So in the midst of their despair, God reminds His people of His covenant promise to bring a Redeemer. In their darkest hour, the Lord reminds them again that His promises will prevail. Isaiah tells us that His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. And Isaiah brings together these four concise names that appear nowhere else in the Bible. It has been said that this single verse is the greatest verse to tell us about who Jesus was and what he did. These names describe with absolute perfection the person and ministry of Jesus Christ. So during this Advent season we've been looking at each of these four names as we've discovered that Jesus is my wonderful counselor who brings guidance in the midst of my confusion. He is my mighty God, who rescues me from chaos. He is my eternal Father, who showers compassion upon me. And He is my Prince of Peace, who resolves all of my conflicts. Now this morning we come to the last of these four names, ascribed to Christ, Prince of Peace. And it's very important, it's vitally important to really understand the context of Isaiah chapter 9 to really get a true meaning, especially for this last name that is ascribed to Christ. So I will read Isaiah chapter 9 for us again. Hear now the word of God. But there will be no more gloom for her who sat in anguish. In earlier times, he treated the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali with contempt. But later on, he will make it glorious by the way of the sea on the other side of the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. You shall multiply the nation, you shall increase their gladness. They will be glad in your presence, as with the gladness of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you shall break the yoke of their burden, and the staff on their shoulders, the rod of their oppressors, as in the battle of Midian. Every boot of the booted warrior in the battle torment and cloak rolled in blood will be for burning, fuel for the fire. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace, On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. That finishes the reading of God's holy and inspired word. Amen? Amen. His name shall be called Prince of Peace. A week ago Thursday, as some of you know, my youngest cousin, Keith Adams, went home to be with the Lord. My cousin was 55 years old. Keith and his wife Cindy had visited Barbara and I just a few weeks ago, and just a a few Sundays ago they actually worshipped with us here at church. Keith's death was totally unexpected. And even though Keith was a believer, his passing has been very difficult for our family. Our emotions went from being surprised to being shocked to swimming in sorrow. Now all of us go through times like this. I've conducted memorial services for many of you in this church. For some of you it was your spouse, for others your children, others grandchildren, your brothers, sisters, family members, and friends. The passing of a loved one is hard, especially during this time of year. All the Christmas carols tell us to have a Merry Christmas, but it's often difficult to be merry when you're going through a time of sadness. I'll be home for Christmas changes from a song of hope to a song of sadness for those who are suffering loss. So as I mourn my baby cousin's death, a man who was like a brother to me, I really tried to understand what this title means, Prince of Peace. He was the youngest, and because of that, we didn't pay much attention to him growing up. He was the scrawny little kid that always wanted to get in our way. But, providentially, his kids were the same age as our kids, so we were able to really reconnect as adults. But now he's gone. During this time, our family, we felt detached from peace. There was a a gap, a, a gulf of grief that seemed that peace was far away from us. And then the thought came to me. Peace is something That has to be sought for. Peace isn't automatic. It's something you have to seek after. You've heard the saying, freedom isn't free. Well, peace isn't always present. I know we're told, don't worry, be happy. But sometimes we do worry and sometimes we are not happy. Sometimes we're just flat out discouraged, depressed, and downcast. But I thought, you know, as the wise men journeyed eastward seeking for the king of the Jews, so we must purpose to take the journey to discover the Prince of Peace. Theologians and scholars agree that the Magi's or the wise men's journey wasn't a weekender. It took months for them to arrive in Bethlehem. And the point is, is that peace often doesn't come in a weekender. Sometimes it's something that has to be sought after and sought after and sought after and sought after. Sometimes, It takes months to really enjoy the peace that comes from God. Now, as I mentioned, these four names, they describe with absolute perfection the person and ministry of Jesus Christ. And as we consider this title, this name, Prince of Peace, it's important for us to understand that the incarnate Son of God experienced every range of emotion that we have experienced. There is nothing that we have experienced that Jesus didn't experience even more deeply, even more intimately. Of course, we can imagine Jesus smiling and laughing as the children sat on his lap. We can imagine his indignation. When he turned over the tables of the money chamber, chamber and uh, changers in the temple, we can imagine his sorrow when he wept over the unexpected death of his long good friend Lazarus. You know the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. And what is interesting is that it's this last emotion. The emotion of grief and sorrow that the Scripture emphasized the most in Jesus' life. So the question is, why? And I think it is because when we're happy, we don't need support. When we're happy, we don't really need anybody. But we're, when we're experiencing sorrow and grief then that's when we need a Savior who identifies with us. We can do without a laughing Jesus. But we cannot do without a grieving Lord. The grieving and the brokenhearted, well, they don't need a laughing Jesus. What they need is a man of sorrows who can identify with them during their greatest time of need. And the Bible tells us that Jesus was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And, and this word acquainted, it's used in our culture. and It says, oh yeah, we we're casually acquainted. No, what the word actually means is that intimately engaged. Fooled grunt of sorrow and grief. I want you to notice that the scripture says that he was a man of sorrows, not a sorrowful man. And there's a difference there. The point being that Jesus experienced every level of grief, sorrow, and anguish, yet without sinking into despair of darkness. The Bible actually tells us in the book of Hebrews that in the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplication with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. And that was his heavenly father. But notice, offering up prayers and supplication with loud crying and tears, that's a guy I can identify with. see, since Jesus suffered the full brunt of our pain, He sympathizes with our suffering. And therefore, we can draw near to Him with confidence, knowing that we will find mercy and grace in our time of need. Amen? Now, again, remember that those who first heard Isaiah's prophecy in chapter 9 about this Prince of Peace... They were experiencing gloom and anguish, contempt, darkness, as they awaited this vicious and brutal attack from the Assyrian army. For them, peace was a fleeting reality. And for many of us, that's the way it is with us. When we experience this this possible invasion upon our lives, Peace seems to be running away from us. We can never catch up to it. Yet, in the midst of their darkest hour, the word of the Lord came to them and said, A child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and his name will be called Prince of Peace. God's eternal purposes through Christ will not be stopped by the invasion of difficulty, pain, or sorrow. You need to claim that for yourself today. That God's eternal purposes through Christ will not be stopped in my heart, in my life, by the invasion of difficulty, pain, and sorrow. Somebody in this church say amen. We grieve... But we do not grieve like those who have no hope. In the midst of our mourning, we know we will be comforted. The Lord promises that in in Isaiah 9, that he will break the yoke of their burden. He will break the staff from our shoulders. He will break the rod of our oppressors. And we, that is exactly what we expect Him to do today. We expect the Prince of Peace to break the yoke of our burden, to break the staff off of our shoulders, and to break the rod of our oppressors, for He is the King of kings. The Lord promised in Isaiah 9 that every boot of the booted warrior and, and every bloody garment would be for burning Fuel for the fire. And that's what we expect today. That God will take our crisis, our situations, the things that seem to be far beyond our control, and he'll roll those things up and he'll use it for fuel for the fire to bring glory to himself in our lives. Brothers and sisters, weeping may last for the night, but joy will come in the morning. Amen? Remember, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are persecuted, yet not forsaken. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Brothers and sisters, this prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9 was written for us. Matthew records for us in his gospel that Jesus settled in Capernaum, which is by the sea, the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. Notice, this was to fulfill what was spoken through the, the Isaiah the prophet, the land of Zebulun, the na- land of Naphtali. By the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, the Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who were sitting in darkness shall see a great light. Those who are sitting in the land in the shadow of death, upon them light will dawn. The Apostle Paul says it really simply in the book of Ephesians. Jesus is our peace. This scripture in Isaiah chapter 9, even though it ministered to those 700 years before Christ, it is written for us today, so that we will know that it has been fulfilled. Jesus is our peace. As the angels told the shepherds, which was read for us in the light of the Advent candle, Glory to God in in the highest and on earth peace among those in whom his favor rests. Now I know that there's other modern translations of this verse, but I have to say, even though I'm not the greatest biblical scholar in the world, that's, a, that's sarcastic. This was, the, this was the verse that I chose in my exegesis class in seminary, where you had to do just tons of research to find out the true translation of this verse. And I can say with you in confidence, confidence, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom his favor rests. The announcement of the angels was that the promise of peace was given to all those for whom God has granted His grace through Jesus Christ. Peace is ours through Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, the scriptures tell us that God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. And He's told us in His word that we will only discover His peace in Christ. Let me share with you a few ways. First of all, in Christ, we will discover discover an upward peace. Peace with God. Listen to these scriptures. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Jesus broke down the barrier of the dividing wall, establishing peace the scriptures tell us, and he did it through the cross. The Bible tells us that Jesus came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who are near, for through him we have access in one spirit to the Father. Only in Christ can we discover an upward peace with God. In Christ, we discover an inward peace. Jesus said it like this. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled and let them not be fearful. Jesus is promising us us his peace. And he has the divine royalty as the prince of peace, to give it. But notice, he says, do not let your heart be troubled, and and do not be fearful, (laughs) because these are the things that want to steal away our peace. Our hearts run away with us with emotions that aren't God-driven, and we become fearful instead of faithful. The scriptures teach us the Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, I know this is a very familiar verse, but I want to draw your attention to the end that this peace of God talking about in Christ Notice that it surpasses all comprehension. Uh, This peace of God that's given to you, it's what makes people kind of like think you're crazy. That you can go through such difficulty and, and still have a sense of peace. And notice that it's not only beyond comprehension, but it will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Because our our hearts want to wander and our minds start thinking on stupid things. But this peace of God that surpasses all comprehension, it will put a corral around our heart, it will put a corral around our mind, and it will keep us focused in on the fact that only in Christ can we discover an inward peace with ourselves. God wants you to have peace with yourself. In Christ, we discover an outward peace. Jesus taught us in the Beatitude, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Paul writes in Romans, If possible, so far as it depends upon you, live at peace with all men. The point is, is that only in Christ can we discover an an outward peace with others. And lastly, in Christ, we discover an onward peace. Jesus said it like this. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace in the world. You will have tribulation. But take courage. I have overcome the world. Jesus is completely honest with us. In this world, we will have tribulation. If you are sitting here today and you really haven't experienced much tribulation in your life, you should be giving praise to God. But in this world we will have tribulation. But our faith is in Christ because He has overcome the world. The Bible is completely honest with us, saying, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. The Bible tells us that one day the Lord will wipe away every tear from our eyes, and there will be no and, and, and there will be no longer any death, there will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain, because the first things, this world has passed away. But the Bible also tells us that we should pray for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, we should be praying that God would wipe the tears from our eyes. That we can live a life without any more mourning or crying or pain. That the things that have captured us, trying to take away our peace, have passed away. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yes, the Lord heals the brokenhearted. Yes. The Lord binds up our wounds today. Only in Christ will we discover an upward peace. Only in Christ will we discover an inward peace. Only in Christ will we discover an outward peace. Only in Christ will we discover an onward peace in Christ. Isaiah tells us, there is no increase, there is no end to the increase of His government notice or of. Peace. In Christ, there is no end to the increase of His peace. Thanks be to God. Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. Hopefully, you can see now from the wealth of Scripture that it's obvious that Jesus is not only the Prince of Peace, but He's also the the King. Of peace. As I prepared the sermon, the question came to me, well, why is Jesus called the, the Prince of Peace and not the, the King of Peace? When you look at the language of Isaiah chapter 9, you see that the, the whole language of the chapter is destri- describing a king. Notice, It's describing a king who is conquering the enemy and restoring the oppressed back to a nation of gladness, light, and hope. Isaiah 9 tells us that there will be no end to the increase of his government. And it mentions that he will establish a kingdom, even the throne of David. I want to just stress upon you the fact that the entire language of Isaiah chapter 9 is describing A king, not a prince. So why is Jesus called the prince of peace? Well, the fact is, is that a a prince is someone who will one day become a king. And remember, this prophecy was given 700 years before Christ was born. 700 years before the Son of God took on the form of a bondservant being made in the likeness of men. 700 years before He bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. 700 years before He was smitten of God and afflicted. 700 years before He was pierced through for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. 700 years before he was oppressed and afflicted. 700 years before he was a lamb led to slaughter. 700 years before this Prince humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And it pleased God the Father to crush the Prince putting him to grief. For the father knew for him to become the king of peace, the prince had to suffer the full extent of our pain, of our sorrow, of our sadness, of our grief, and our anguish. And the scriptures tells us that it pleased the father to crush him. But as the result of the anguish of the prince's soul, the father saw it and was satisfied. And he crowned the prince a king. God highly exalted the prince and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name. That on the, at the name of Jesus every knee will bow. The prince was crowned a king. And now, he promises peace to all who serve him and worship him. Since Jesus suffered the full brunt of our pain, he justifies the many and he bears our iniquity. Thanks be to God. Since King Jesus suffered the full blunt of our sorrow, He sympathizes with our suffering, and we can draw near to him with confidence, knowing that we'll find grace and mercy in time of need. You you know the difference between sympathy and empathy, right? Sympathy is is feeling sorry for somebody because they're going through a difficult time. Empathy is that you actually have experienced that same thing. You basically have walked in their shoes. So you don't just have sympathy for them, you have empathy for them. Now, this scripture in Hebrew tells us that Jesus sympathizes with our weakness. There's not a scripture, there's not a verse in the Bible that tells us that Jesus empathizes with our weakness. Why is that? Because the whole Bible teaches us that Jesus empathizes with our weakness. One verse, one verse, one verse. No, a whole book of God's holy word is describing to you the reality that Jesus Christ, the King of peace, empathizes for you because there's nothing that you're going through that he hasn't experienced the full brunt of to the glory of the Father. Therefore, we worship him. Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. Jesus Christ is the King of Peace. Will you search for him today? Let's pray. Lord, we come to you as weak. And frail people, we come with you, to you with full admission that we are often troubled, we often are fearful, we often allow our hearts and our minds to run away with us, and we thank you, Lord, for today reminding us that Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. That Jesus Christ is the King of Peace. And Lord Jesus, we come to you today seeking for your peace that surpasses all comprehension. Lord, we come to you today asking you to flood us with your grace. Lord, come to us, minister to our hearts, especially those who might be suffering during this holiday season. Lord, write upon our hearts the truth that in Christ we have peace. We search for you today, Lord. And we know as we seek you, you will be found. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.